Welcome to the Changemakers Podcast, brought to you by City Current and powered by Lipscomb and Pitts Insurance. This show shares personal stories and insight from those who are giving back and making a difference so we can learn and do the same. We cover life lessons, business advice, passion, and purpose. Now here's our host, Jeremy Park. Welcome to the Changemakers Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Park. We are in for a fun treat. Normally we have one person sitting across the mic from me, but today we have two. So we have two Changemakers. When you look at their story, not only as entrepreneurs, but what they're doing to give back here in the Mid-South, it's absolutely phenomenal. So we have the co-founders of Sweet Bio. We have Isaac Rodriguez and Kayla Rodriguez-Graff. How are you two doing? Wonderful! Thanks for having us, Jeremy. This is awesome. Well, we have to we have to throw in Kayla's uh, you know middle name now, but some <laughs> people recognize her because everybody's like Kayla Graff. Who's that? It's like Kayla Rodriguez Graff. So with Sweet Bio, but <laughs> yeah. let's let's start. So the fun of this is a personal storyline. We get to cover you know you're growing up, and it's really cool now that uh, we'll talk about it. But your mom is actually moving to the mid south, so you know really cool story there with family and bringing family even closer. But for starters. Tell us where you grew up. So give us a little bit of your childhood. Sure. So I'm the slightly older mother of of the two, Um, but we're only two um, siblings from our, from our mom. So we grew up in Fredericksburg, Virginia, really in the middle of Richmond, uh, Virginia and DC. And it was really nowhere town. Um, We had pretty big high school, which, which was good. But the, the, you know, the friends that we had were, were all local, but we didn't have any family there. So it was tough because our, Family was all in New Jersey and Puerto Rico and all over. So it really was me, Kayla, and our parents that you know, we grew up with each other. So uh, I think it was a blessing as well because we just were able to be so focused and we learned from our parents who were so driven. And the fact that we were able to just learn from them every single day really installed in us who we were as kids. And our mom, you know, we'll get to this too, but she's, she was a child care provider. So she babysat. At one time, she maybe had 20 plus kids at her wow. house every day when we were growing up so that was her job was you know we were able to interact with kids growing up but then also she would work a part-time job later on so then when we come back from school we would finish babysitting and then she would go work at the restaurant so then we taught this responsibility to do your homework first then finish babysitting the kids and then come join me at the restaurant and work at the restaurant too. Well, that's pretty good because you know how to take care of kids and right. you know how to feed people now. So it's like <laughs> you get the best of both worlds there, yes. uh, especially with Kayla since you're starting a family of your own. Yeah, we're changing diapers, racing, changing diapers probably at three. Wow. So, were you involved in sports at all? What were some of the, the things that you enjoyed doing activity-wise? Yeah, we were super fortunate that we got involved in Taekwondo really young. I have a picture of me with my white belt. I think I was three or four years old. Wow, so really, really young. Really young, and we were both um, through just, it teaches so much incredible discipline, but through that journey, we were both um, two of the youngest black belts in America, so it was really fun. We were seven and eight when we got our black belts, and Isaac went on and got his second degree, but you know, at a very young age, this is one of the things I'm most grateful for, is that we played at least two sports a season. So no matter if we were good at them or not, um, we were involved in, you know, I was in soccer twice a year, and I was in baseball playing with the boys. I was in basketball playing with the boys. And uh, it was such a blast going into middle school, school sports, sports with volleyball. And, you know, we didn't have free time. There wasn't this, we come home and we could watch TV. It was, we came home, we helped watch the kids, we would do our homework, and we would go to sports, or we would go work at the restaurant, and then we would come home and we go to sleep. And so I think that that, not having free time, we weren't allowed to say we were bored. That was a bad word in our house. <laughs> uh, if you said that, you would they would find you something to do. Nice. So never say that word. Um, but it allowed us, I feel like, at a really young age to learn how to manage our schedule and multitask and you know optimize every moment that you had because we were constantly doing something and swimming i mean you name it we were in it (laughs) i was terrible at 90 percent of them um, but it was still being part of a team being active and you know there was just such an appreciation for physical activity and mental activity so when did you learn how to play the bass so our father plays guitar. guitar. Mm-hmm. So I started playing guitar really young. My first electric I got when I was, I think, 11 or 12. is a Yamaha black and white traditional guitar. And then I got a Les Paul Flame 
gorgeous with strap locks so that I could swing it and hang it really low because I cut my hair really short when I was a punk rocker. <laughs> and then so I do you do, still have that guitar? I do. <laughs> there you and go. then I joined a band that needed a bass player, um, but my hands are really tiny. So I play a Fender Mustang three quarter size. It's like, looks like it's made for a small child, but on me it looks normal size if anyone else picked it up. And I fell in love with the bass. So I played in bands, I played in church bands, wherever they would take me. I would play. Well, what's cool even about that is you see automatically the creativity side, right? So you have the business side, the responsibility side, you have the structure, um, that process, but then you know you start seeing the creative side that comes out as well. So were you too close growing up? I mean, obviously when you're that busy, you kind of have to all hands on deck be involved, but I mean, were you, because you're close now, I mean, what's really cool about the storyline, we'll get to it, is, is really the fact that you're working together, you have an amazing relationship, you're giving back together, I mean, you're doing so many things together, were you close together growing up? Yeah, I think, I mean, every sibling have their rivalry growing up, so we, of course, had that as well. Um, but we definitely were. I mean, we went to the same schools. We are only two years apart, so we had the same teachers, the same schools, went through, went through the same thing. So Kayla was always growing up and saying, oh, you're Isaac's little sister, and that's kind of how it was. And I was I didn't have an older brother or sister, so I was trying to set, set the pace for Kayla, too. And eventually, you know, she outpaces me in a lot of things. So it's really just, you know, prideful older brother, uh, to see her become what she is today and uh, we were definitely close because we shared the responsibility we did taekwondo together um, you know we had a pool table growing up so we played pool with each other um, all of our friends were close too I was close to her friends growing up and she's very close to mine so it wasn't like this you know they're your friends you go hang out we don't want to spend time with you type of thing so that's good because that was a question I was going to ask but because that's a natural one is I have my right. friends and you have yours but you're blended that's good right yeah it was great I mean you can't complain we had an amazing childhood and perfect person to go through with give me one special you know tradition like a family tradition so to speak growing up or even to this day go ahead yeah I'm afraid I it's gonna come out of your mouth we'll see <laughs> okay I'm a good one. you think of it you, you think of one of just us but I think one of the coolest things our mom um she only babysat teachers kids and so what that meant was that we had the whole summer off with her which was super cool you know we had the summer off and she had the whole summer off so she would bring our cousins down from New Jersey for a week, two mm -hmm. weeks, a week. And she had Isaac and I, and then all of our cousins are very close in age. So we're like born in 85, 86, 87, 87, 88, 89, 89. I mean, really, really close together. And it would be, our mom is Becky, and it would be Becky's boot camp. And she would take us around the house, and she'd be like, all right, do you see the way that the house is right now? That's how it will be when you all leave. We will enjoy, we'll have fun, we'll do all these things, but everybody's going to be going through boot camp at the end of this cleaning the house. So our littlest cousins, like, cleaning the toilets with a toothbrush. Like, we had all, all had these jobs, and I feel like that's one of the coolest things growing up is we had so much that we had to accomplish together to move forward. I mean, it was like the kids needed to be watched, and if there was a bunch of kids there, we had to split up, divide and conquer, and complement each other because otherwise it would be chaos in our in our house. Um, we had multiple sets of twins that we were watching when we were babysitting. So a lot of the memories I have is we had to work together to be able to figure a lot of things out. And it was super fun. It never felt like work, but it was always fun. <laughs> yeah, one thing I can think of is, you know, we didn't have any family in Virginia. Like I mentioned, most of it was a few states away, but family is very important to us. So we would make everything a huge celebration. So somebody graduated from middle school. All right, let's all drive to New Jersey and throw up a big Hispanic Puerto Rican party. Uh, so we just found a reason to celebrate life, celebrate family and accomplishments. So I think just that that was a tradition. We drive to Ohio to celebrate something random. I don't know. Whatever it was, we were there and we were the family that was going to be there. And we were committed and it was just that, that family bonding time that, you know, it allows you to take a step back, celebrate something and then um, just realize, you know, why you're here on this earth. Very cool. Last one kind of on the family side is one favorite bit of advice. It could be that your mom gave you and you still kind of live by today, or it could be that a teacher gave you, or which, what's a favorite bit of advice that you got growing up that you think has made a difference in your life? Mm, I was thinking about the advice, but a kind of a story. Sure. And I feel like growing up, I was Isaac's little sister. I was Becky's daughter. I was always anything but Kayla. Um, and I felt like back then, it made me feel 
like kind of sad. Like I wanted to be my own person. I was getting great grades in school. We had perfect attendance for 13 years. We never missed a day of school. Our parents like, you're sick, you go to school. We're like, but we don't feel, go to school. You know, so like I was doing all the right things, but I felt like I didn't really know what my identity was. And so many people ask today, you know, how do you work with your brother? I mean, how do you guys get along? How do you, you know, and I left. I went to go to school in Minnesota and we took 10 years apart. And what used to be, I'd say, a little bit of jealousy or anger, any of those emotions I felt as like a teenage angst, you know, girl, which... The punk rocker days. Totally. (laughs) Those days where I was like emo writing in my room, um, nothing positive have turned into just respect. And so for me, it's just this mindset shift. It's not that the situation has changed. I mean, Isaac is still a rock star, but how I perceive it and how I, the lens that I look through it is just out of complete respect. And so that's just been something that I feel like has been cool to experience. I feel like many people told me like, you're gonna, it's gonna all be great. And I'm like, no, this is the worst, you know, whatever. And then I feel like as I've grown up, Um, That was the best part was that we did take that time apart. We did miss each other. You know, it was a pleasure to see each other at events over those years. And then now being back together, it's it's just a a cool relationship. That's good. I mean, you hear all the time, like the kind of the full cycle where, you know, as you're growing up, you want your independence, you want your freedom, you want to earn it on your own grounds. And, you know, in many cases, you don't realize, even like kind of back to the traditions, many people, it's Thanksgiving or it's different memories. And all of a sudden, as you grow older and many of your loved ones have passed, you go back and you remember how good those moments were, even though at the time you may not have enjoyed them or appreciated them. But then all of a sudden, you know, you have this bond and you get to come back together. And especially on your end, the fact that you were working together as children, accomplishing so much together and you had to play your role and you were family. Now you look at it through the same lens where it's like we're family working together, trying to accomplish bigger dreams. I think it is cool, kind of that full circle you go through. So Isaac, what's what's one of your bits of advice? I can think back of when I was in high school, probably tenth grade. I went to this monster.com, like the you know job searching website, and they had this leadership workshop. I guess it was for high school students. And I don't know who the keynote speaker was. I was too young to care about that. But I was just like, this one quote he said. He said, "Don't wait your turn, take your turn." I was like, well, that's pretty powerful. Just don't sit around and wait for the world to hand you things. Like, if you want something, go for it. So then I heard that in 10th grade. And then 11th grade, I was eligible to apply for the Bill Gates Millennium Scholarship. So my mom said, hey, do an essay every single week. Maybe 11 essays is going to take you a little while, but knock it out. I was like, all right, well, I got to take my turn. So, you know, let me just show the world what I have. And I was able to get that scholarship. Full ride, bachelor's, master's, PhD degrees, awesome. all paid for. And it's because, like, I heard that quote which changed my mindset of, like, how I look at the world and things aren't handed to people. Like, you earn it, you, you know, if you're a great person, then things are going to happen to you, but you also need to put some effort into making that happen as well. So I live that every single day, even with our company and outside of life personally as well. So it's just it's that simple. Don't wait your turn, take your turn. It's amazing, though, you can hear that one quote and, you know, so many of the students that probably heard that as well in one ear and out the other mm-hmm. and then you look at the life change that takes place that one quote that says you know light bulb goes off aha wait a second i can do this boom and then all of a sudden you're on a completely right. different trajectory right. kaylee i know you had an epiphany I remember I guess, my quote. okay yeah <laughs> uh, it's actually from our father so i was applying for a program that isaac also had completed this lead program leadership education and development and it was you know they send you to one of ten schools across the nation and in my application I had a write about is a business program I had a write about a business conundrum this moral obligation and I wrote about Enron and I was in 11th grade or 10th grade yeah I remember writing about Enron and I was like oh my gosh I have no idea what's what in the world is happening in the world and I hated writing essays. I, you know, Isaac was always math and analytics, and actually I was too. I was not really the business type. I loved calculus and statistics, and I hated writing essays. And I remember trying to write that essay, and my father, you know, telling me like, "I hate this. This is the worst." And he's like, "Kayla, you're gonna have to do things your whole life that you don't like. So you better find something within it that you do like. What do you like about it?" And I would, you know, I kind of thought about it and I was like, well, I like making structured logic happen. I really enjoy analyzing. And he's like, okay, well then focus on those things that you like. I don't know if he said it this way. This is how I remember it. Like focus on the things that you like and it makes what you don't like doing a lot easier. And I feel like there's so many things we do in life that we don't want to do. But if you focus on the things that you do enjoy 
And if you really don't enjoy them, figure out why you're still doing them. But there are things you have to do. And figuring out the pieces you love in there makes it a lot easier. And I think what you hear from both of us is just like these shifting of mindsets of like, oh, I could just think about it different and I feel differently about it and I will act differently about it and right. I can move forward just because I thought about it differently. See, we could stay on this forever and be fine. <laughs> But let's shift over because we do want to cover a little bit of the sweet bio and obviously the impact you're having. I mean, that's the whole point of the Changemakers podcast. <laughs> so let's talk about the impact. But um, so let's start on. So obviously, Kaylee, you went off. Isaac, let's start on your end. Give us a little bit, kind of a teaser on going off to college and then start kind of sharing the story of where sweet bio starts to kick in. Sure. So I went to the University of Virginia straight out of high school <clears throat> with a scholarship. And I knew I liked engineering. I asked my parents, where does the water flow after it leaves the bathtub when I was two years old? So they were just like, this kid is going to be very analytical. I'm just impressed you could talk like that at two years old. I I probably said, like, water, where, you know, more hand motions. But that's how I remembered it. You guys are brilliant. (laughs) Brilliant babies. It's always hereditary. Right? Little baby graph coming soon. Um, So, yeah, just, I mean, just growing up, I was always figuring out how things work. So then I went to UVA with that mindset. I applied to the engineering school, but not knowing what type of engineering. There's civil, mechanical, biomed. There's, like, so many. What do I I love in life? And then that, my first year, spring break, my mom, she needed a total, well, our mom, needed a total hip replacement. So um, I took care of her for for the week of the spring break, and I just became fascinated in the fact that human beings can design these biomaterials that are now implanted into someone's body and now my mom can walk and run and do the things that pain-free that she was having pain earlier and I think that was my moment of just who does this I want to do something like this I want to design things use my analytical skills for the benefit of like mankind as like a higher um, mission but then I went back to UVA and the universe was telling me something because that's when UVA opened up biomedical engineering for the first time as a major so I raised my hand and I said, I'll do it, sure, this is perfect. And then I was the first graduating class of biomedical engineering from UVA. And I fell in love with the field so much that I wanted to go to grad school in that area, especially with bone and tissue regeneration and just implants, it just fascinated me. So I applied to Virginia Commonwealth University, got in there mainly because of the professor, Dr. Gary Bolin, which you'll see how he ends up in Memphis, but he was world renowned in what he does in tissue engineering. And you know, you go to grad school for the professor and the work you're gonna do, not so much for the name and the glory behind it because the experiences you get out of it is what shapes your career. And that's why I went there. And I started studying biomaterials and honey and wound healing and um, dental and military applications and veterinary, it was, it was awesome, it was so much fun. So then I was getting towards the end of my PhD work and I defended and I had a job lined up at the Veterans Hospital in Richmond, Virginia, going to do some clinical work. And my professor at the time said, I'm moving to Memphis. I'm gonna to go to the University of Memphis, take a position and you know, what are your thoughts? I'd love for you to come with me, set up a brand new lab and we can start something great in Memphis. And then he started selling me on the companies that are around here and the opportunities with the universities, the largest strategics, the Medtronic, Smith & Nephews, Wright, Microports and the St. Jude's and UT's and we're just like, Man, this is awesome. Okay, where is Memphis? <laughs> that was my next question. I, was like, I know it's in Tennessee. Like we live in Virginia. It touches Tennessee. That's about you know geography wasn't my strong suit. So I looked it up. I was like, that is Arkansas, Mississippi. That's not that's not Tennessee. Uh, but I, I took a leave of faith because I believed in him, and he was moving his whole family over here. He's my mentor for seven years, and it was just it was just meant to be. So that I came here and. Uh, we started working on projects together, which eventually led to the Sweet Bio Invention at the University of Memphis. So let's come back to that. Let's mm-hmm. jump to Kayla. Give us a little bit of your story. I mean, you alluded to you went to Minnesota, but give us a little bit of your story on the college side and then kind of catch us up to the Sweet Bio piece, and then we'll jump in where Isaac left off. Yeah, while Isaac was asking where the water was going, I was having fights with cashiers about correct change being returned because I was calculating how much change should come back after we paid at restaurants. And so that's how my parents, our parents, knew that I was going to be in business. I was really fortunate to get accepted into that program and I wrote the Enron. They liked my essay, thankfully, and accepted me in the program and gave me a full scholarship to go to the University of Minnesota. And that was my first question was, 
where is Missouri? And my <laughs> mother was like, no, you're going to Minnesota. I was like, oh, well, where's that? I have no idea. And it's just cold. That's all we know. <laughs> it went in July. It was beautiful. Started school in September and froze. Pretty much very, very few Puerto Ricans up there. Um, but I studied business. That's what my scholarship was in. And I always wanted to come back to Virginia until I interned my uh, my junior year at Target. I want to come back to Virginia so bad that I, I overloaded my course load and I graduated almost with a minor in mechanical engineering and then two majors in business and three and a half years. I was, was ready. I, if I could redo undergrad and just enjoy it a little bit more, I absolutely would. But um, I interned at Target Corporation, the headquarters is up there. And that really opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, I took this leap of faith on Minnesota and I turned down the internship offer um, three times for Target because I wanted to start my own company. My major was entrepreneurship. My grandmother, our grandmother, such an inspiration. I mean, she grew up with her huge family in a one-bedroom house on a dirt floor in Puerto Rico. I mean, they had to go get a bath. They had to go pick up the water and dump it. And I mean, it was insane. And she's now one of the most successful entrepreneurs in, in Puerto Rico. And wow. she's just, she, her story is phenomenal and I hope to write it someday. But I, I wasn't ready to be in corporate. And what they told me in the last time before I turned them down <laughs> was, you know, Kaylee, you have an opportunity to build your own business. If you take a full-time role at Target in the inventory side, you're gonna get insight into supply chain, marketing, financials, operations. I mean, you name it, you can get the experience. And I thought, well, cool, all right. So I, I interned in the movies department right when The Dark Knight was coming out, and I was sold, 100% sold. And I came back full-time in the books department when the third Hunger Games book was coming out. I mean, it was just a phenomenal time to learn, especially in the books industry that was declining while we're trying to survive. I mean, it was just, the learnings were unbelievable. And kind of to bring it full circle, I, you know, I leveraged my experience at Target to gain the skills I knew I would need to be an entrepreneur, which is you gotta know how things run from the ground up. That was my first role at Target is in analytics. But you also have to be able to tell a story, the strategy. So I took a role in operations as we expanded into India. Okay, you could tell a story, but you have to actually communicate it. So I took a role in training where I taught uh, several thousand team members at Target, new hire team members. They had me for three months at a time, four kids. And then I took a role in consulting because if you can't influence behavior, what's the point of telling the story? And so as I was building this tool set, the one thing I was missing was just my passion for technology, which I always loved. And so Target fortunately gave me a leave of absence. I went out to, to San Francisco to go back to grad school to get my MBA. When I finished, I worked out of the innovation office and sold my car, learned how to code. I mean, it was like the true San Francisco lifestyle, paying outrageous rent. And that's when I got a call from Isaac about this opportunity. And we had joked before, like, oh, yeah, you know what? Let's just start a business. Our first one's going to fail anyway, so we might as well just start one. And we were building this, like, furniture company called Morphic. Like, the furniture should be paying rent, as in it should do multiple things if it's going to take up that much space <laughs> in your house. So it's going to morph to every event of your life. Like, are you entertaining? The back comes up into, like, a taco table. Or, like, the desk came out or it had charging stations. Like, it was it was bomb.com. But then he brought this up, and I was like, all right, that's probably the real one. We'll go, we'll go after that one is, you know, tissue engineering versus this really high fixed cost. I'm really curious, uh, before we thing. jump over to the, the, the completion of the Sweet Bio, how much, when you're going through Target, because I think so many people kind of know where they want to be ultimately, and like you said, you want to be an entrepreneur. How much was by strategy, I'm going to go into each of these departments and learn so that ultimately I have a holistic opportunity, or how much of it was basically just kind of opportunity presents, you take advantage of it, and now, looking back after all these years, kind of reflecting and saying, oh wow, that worked out really well because mm -hmm. I had all these different opportunities that each kind of paved the way to create this ultimate storyline. The first one was an opportunity. So, I mean, even me saying yes to Minnesota and then saying yes to Target and then saying yes to taking my first role at Target, that was all just saying yes, because I didn't know what I wanted. I knew entrepreneur, but I had no idea what I wanted. Then I got Rockstar Mentors 
at Target. I had these women that were just unbelievable. And so by the time my second one came up, we built a developmental plan that looked out 12 months that said, here are the skills I want to develop. Here are the people that I should be meeting with so that I can understand if that's going to be a good opportunity for me. And here's what I want to get in the next five years. And so after the first, the first job change I had at Target, that's when I just had the most phenomenal mentors to guide me and say, you know what, Kayla, like you want to, you need to talk. I'm like, I don't, I hate public speaking. I like cry when I get up there and they're like, well, it's too bad. You're going to take that job. I'm like, I don't want to. They're like, you're going to take it, take the job. And it was an opportunity just to say yes. And then from then on, it was, I, my eyes were open as to what is the what is the risk? What is the fear? Because I either don't have the skill and I'm not going to succeed, or I do it and I'm not going to succeed, or I could I could succeed. I mean, it's just it was a really interesting way to look at it, and a couple of them were forced, and then the rest were were very strategic. Well, I like that aspect because many times it's the combination of both. But I think people underestimate the power of one having a mentor and kind of being forced into that. But two is looking at it of the strategy, okay, these are the skill sets I'm gonna to have to have. And if I've got weaknesses or deficiencies in certain areas, here's a prime opportunity through internships or just job shadowing or going in and raising my hand to volunteer that I can build up those skill sets to ultimately succeed where I really wanna go. And I think you know, many times you have, to, you have to give a lot over here to ultimately get where you wanna to go tomorrow. So, okay, so let's jump back. Isaac, go ahead and kind of wrap that story in a nice sure. package in the sense of, okay, so you've, you've figured out where Memphis is. You have your <laughs> mentor that's moved down here. Um, d- did, did he really kind of instill the idea of going into business or was that like, w- when did that kind of kick in of, wait a second, this is actually a business that we can launch? Mm-hmm. He did. So he's launched about five other products outside of this, not necessarily starting the business and getting it running, but being the inventor and having that long-term vision of, this isn't just a product in the lab that's gonna make a great paper one day. This is a product that's going to be on the market helping people and saving lives. And he has that mentality. So it was Christmas break 2013, I think it was. And he said, just, how do you feel about starting up a company? Just out of nowhere. I remember in the lab. And it's like, well, never really thought of it, I guess. It's kind of in our family, entrepreneurship. You know, okay, let me think about it. So I went to Florida to visit my mom and just thought about it. And then that's when I called Kayla and just said, like, you're the businesswoman over here. Like, help vet this technology, what do you think? Like, it works in the lab, it's great, but if there's no business around it, there's no point in starting up a company. And that's something I knew nothing about. Who better to go to than my trusted sister? So that that's where the, the inklings of a company really first started, was just like the seed planted of, hey, you could do this. What about starting a company? I believe in this product, I believe in you, you should think about doing it. Because now you're, you know, May will be two years in, so to your anniversary, which congratulations on that. But, Thank but you. tell listeners, what, what is Sweet Bio? So describe Sweet Bio. She's our official spokesperson <laughs> over here. The- Kayla, official <laughs> spokesperson. Describe Sweet Bio. Sweet Bio. So we are a Memphis-based, and we're very proud to be a Memphis-based medical device startup. And we are merging ancient natural remedies, leveraging cutting-edge technologies to help advance healing. And we're starting by bringing honey to dentistry. So in the next 10 years, more than 200 million American adults will suffer from tooth loss. Doesn't sound that scary. People lose teeth. But unfortunately, it's an open wound surrounded by bacteria that is a gateway to the rest of your body. And it's been linked to diabetes, heart and lung disease, and in a lot of recent cases, death. And we believe that you deserve better odds. So Sweet Bio and what Isaac had been inventing in the lab is a solution to help protect yourself. So when an oral surgeon either pulls a tooth or you lose one, that hole is then filled and there's a membrane that's placed on top to help. So that membrane has an important job. Protect your bone regrowing, because your body's amazing, and to keep bacteria out. But products were failing and that's why an oral surgeon came to Isaac's lab saying, hey, can you invent me something that's better? Can you create something that is more predictable, that helps heal, better than what I'm using right now. And after three years of lab development, we have the sweet bio membrane. And it's been an incredible journey. Over the last 24 months, we've raised $1.3 million. We're currently fundraising for 1.5 more, and that'll get us over the finish line of FDA clearance. We plan to submit to the FDA by the end of Q3 this year. Wow, and is that I don't want to say it's kind of the last hurdle because once you get over that hurdle, then there's many more to <laughs> then come. Then you got to sell so, it. Right, right, right. So, yeah, the, the hurdles never end. 
But that that's the big one, though, that you're working toward at this point, right? It's critical. So for us, you know, we can't sell anything until we're FDA cleared. And all of the regulations that are required from our internal systems to the testing that shows that it's safe, to the packaging to ensure that it remains sterile, to if we put one year, two year, three year shelf life on this, that it's actually going to work after that time. We sterilizing it, we sterilize it, so make, making sure that that dose is correct. I mean, all of those pieces, and then ensuring that we have the right labels with those scannable barcodes that are all compliant and registered. I mean, that's what we've been amping up for. So we're so proud that we have a finalized box with all the packaging components that are all compliant. Our systems are almost, almost complete. And we just, we're starting our last round of the studies and data that we need this week. So it's, it's really a massive hurdle that you prepare for. And it's been two years in the making. And as soon as we submit, we're fortunate that we are a fast track 510K company. So that means we go through the FDA 90 review process, 90 day review process. But during that time, we really build our go-to-market strategy. Right. Because just because you have something innovative doesn't mean that everybody's going to run and flock to it when it's on the market. And so how we build our go-to-market strategy, I think, is an even bigger hurdle than just getting clearance. See, I think anybody listening, like you automatically hear all those experiences at Target really paid off in terms of like the boxes and you know the, all the logistics and the Case operations. Pads. And yeah, it's like, uh, but, but you know, it's a perfect example of many people, they think I'm gonna be an entrepreneur and it's gonna be like this idea and next thing you know, we're gonna make millions. And it's like, um, no, there's a lot that goes into this. And like you said, I mean, <laughs> you just rattled off like all these things that, you know, most people would have no clue even where to begin. And we didn't either, to be honest. Like starting <laughs> the company, we the didn't best. either. Like that's that's the the truth of it. You know, we're when people look at us, we look like a young team. We're, we look younger than we are. So like, bring your advisors next time. We look more credible because it's really experience. But we didn't either. And but that's the beauty of like moving to a place like Memphis and going through an accelerator program, an incubator program, um, zero to five ten through Memphis BioWorks Foundation, where they brought in these people or say like. This is what you need to be doing. Do you have this done? Okay, well, let me help you walk through it. So the guidance that we had throughout the summer and the funding we had through the summer allowed us to have a fighting chance to prove that we had a product that was going to be commercializable and make investors money and make us uh, have a product on the market to help heal people. So you guys have been here two years now, um, and and you're all in. I mean, you've moved here. Kayla, you've gotten married. You're having your, your baby here. So I mean, you're starting your family. As I mentioned, even in the beginning, you're moving your mother here. So I mean, you guys are all in yeah. on Memphis at this point. Um, what, what's been something, because I think, especially kind of staying on the entrepreneurial side is, um, talk about your experiences moving here as entrepreneurs, getting plugged in. I mean, obviously, obviously through zero to 510, you, you made a lot of instant friends and mentors, but talk about kind of that that mindset of moving somewhere completely new and having to start not only over with your life, but start from the ground up with your business. I mean, that's gotta be a lot to try to digest and manage at one point. So talk about just that experience of moving here and starting your business and your family kind of all at the same time. Sure, yeah, I packed my car with my apartment and drove across the state line for the first time in Tennessee moved here, found an apartment within a few days, and I'm just the type of person that really wants to be involved in the community that I'm in. So I did that in Richmond, Virginia, uh, with working with the city, working at the university. So when I moved here, I had like nothing in my apartment except TV and internet, which was perfect. So I Googled Memphis young professionals. I just wanted to see what was going on in the city of Memphis, not knowing a single soul, well, one person. Um, who I haven't met in person, but I knew of them. And uh, this Memphis, uh, there's a networking event. I was at the hotel, so the Memphis Urban League of Young Professionals, and one of the first people I met was Cynthia Daniels. I was like, well, that's a good first person yeah, that's a great to meet right. in Memphis. So she really took me Another transplant, leg. though, that's made amazing receipts right. yes. our Chainmakers podcast. Right. I mean, I just felt like I was in the right place at the right time. Cynthia Daniels was there. Philip Ashley was there. Um, so you were fed with good chocolates? Was, yes. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. So he was telling me, like Philip was telling me about the New Memphis Institute and their programs, and I got involved with the Urban League. So I think it was just my first initial like, getting over my fear of getting out there, meeting new people, or just making that Google search and driving across the street to the event and putting myself in an uncomfortable situation. That really helped develop me as a person outside. 
And then I was working at the University of Memphis at the time, so we didn't have Sweet Bio as an entrepreneur. So I had a little bit more of a flexible schedule to be involved with the Grizzlies mentoring. So it kind of just piled on, like, like you said earlier before we started the recording. Once you ask how do you get involved, then everyone's coming at you saying, you said you want to be involved, let's go, let's make this happen. You know, this is how Memphis is. Um, but I think later on it paid dividends for the company because then the company got more exposure with all the connections that I was in. So for me, it worked the opposite. It was, I moved here for my job and then just got so plugged in um, personally. And then once I switched over to Sweet Bio, it just really paid dividends and how we spread our word, how people believe in us and support us. And hey, I have a dentist here, talk to them. I already talked to them about you, they're really interested. So it, it has helped us as a company as well, just being so involved. Kayla, what do you wanna to add to that? Yeah, I've now moved halfway across the country three times um, and it doesn't get easier. You know, starting over is, is really hard and you miss your friends and you know, one of the, the biggest pieces of advice I give to my mentees these days is if they have an opportunity to leave and hopefully come back, um, take it because you learn a lot about yourself. And I think this is where it comes full circle to the beginning of the podcast where, you know, we were so involved in so much when we were kids in all these activities, all these sports that we don't really know anything different now. If we don't have an event in the evening, I'm like anxious at home, like not knowing what to do. And that's the approach I think that we've taken towards schooling. I mean, my in grad school, I was the yearbook person and the, I started a magazine just for fun and I was on student council I mean just to push myself to see what my limits were and I learned what my limits were during school <laughs> uh, so that made me a little bit more prepared when I came here but what's really neat is all what I think is unique in Memphis is that you can get involved in both the public and the private sector and that has been really cool you know, I've never really been a huge political person but to get the experience of being on you know Mayor Lutcher's Young Professional Council, or being part of Mayor Strickland's transitional team, or going with the chamber up to Nashville and seeing what people are talking about. I mean, our industry is highly regulated, and you know we we don't have any experience with it besides this company. And so, like, it's so cool that you can get involved in that side. And then you've got the Memphis Chamber, and you've got you know the Soundcheck Group, and you have all these boards that you can be a part of on on the the private side. And it's just been you know, you ask to get involved and you get involved and you just learn so much. And over the last two weeks, I was on uh, a panel for CBU's Women's Leadership Conference. And then last Friday, I was on a panel for Philip Ashley's Entrepreneurship Conference. And today I was at the Memphis Business Journal's you know, Mentoring Monday for Women. I mean, I'm really passionate about women fulfilling their dreams and just saying yes and taking risks. And that's like my niche. I would love it if it was Hispanic women, you know, and I'm gonna get there, but it's just, that's what I love to do. And I have so many opportunities to do that here. So I'll say yes to all of them. I mean, it's been unbelievable what we can get involved in, what people let us in the door. <laughs> well, and I mean, I hope it comes through because you guys just exude passion, you know, not only for what you do, and but just for life and for community. And so I think it's, you know, as you said, Kayla, I mean, it's just kind of who you are, you don't know any different, but I think for those, to your point, Isaac, we were talking off mic that many people come up and they're like, I want to get involved. I just don't know where to start. And it's like, it really is simple. Just raise your hand, go to an event. Like you'll meet a ton of people. And just by kind of where your heart leads you, you will, you will do amazing things with amazing people. But it really is easy. Just raise your hand and just show up. Um, but for many, they struggle with that first step. Give me, you know, each of you kind of one fun either event a board that you're on like give me something fun that's really tied to the community side that really puts a smile on your face hmm. i mean obviously you just kind of rattle off three kayla but give me <laughs> give me give me a fun one that you know event a board a volunteer opportunity something that really kind of exemplifies just you know what you love to do here in the city hmm, sure i can think of one that I've done and one that I'm looking forward to. So I'm on the board of trustees for New Memphis Institute, and I just love their pipeline of programs, college, young professional, middle career, executives, and they had a field day um, not too long ago, which everyone went to Overton Park, and it was just like the big kickballs and, and the, 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 the blow-up things, and it was just like a lot, of, it was a lot of fun because you were networking with amazing people that just come out in casual clothes and you don't know who they are, but at the same time, you're building camaraderie in the city of Memphis and just having fun. So I think New Memphis does a great job of bringing Memphis together and involving people, especially who don't have a like a home in Memphis who aren't from here, 
but can consider this home. And then one thing I'm looking forward to is being involved with the Beale Street Merchants Association. They're a young um, professional council. And really, you know, Beale Street has been seen really as young professionals. Who wants to go to Beale Street on like a, a regular night to go out and, and socialize? Well, it's usually you go to a Grizzlies game and then you go to Beale Street afterwards. So it's not really this attractive place for people that are here in Memphis already. It is for outside. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, providing some input of how we can make Beale Street more regular, you know, visitors for, for, for young professionals and making it appealing, very appealing just to go on there and, and Hey, what do you guys want to do today? Let's go to Beale Street. You know, that, that doesn't happen every single day. So that's what I'm really looking forward to is just, um, I've only been here for four years, but to be able to have that position in such an iconic street really means a lot to me. And I'm, I'm excited to, to bring some fresh eyes to it. Well, you already hear too, the fact that both of you are problem solvers. And so like what that is, I mean, that's, that's a problem. How do we, how do we, you know, get more of our residents to want right. to be there throughout the week and to, to make it more of a gathering place, not just for tourists, but for locals. And right. so, um, even with the mayor transition team, you know, that transition team, that's problem solving. So, I mean, so much of this is how do we use our skill sets of being analytical, of being creative, of being entrepreneurs, and bring that to the, the city level of being able to solve a problem and make our city better. Kayla, give me one or two on your ends. Yeah, fun one. And this is just, you know, not an, an official group, but just the entrepreneurial ecosystem is so fun um, to, the, to the point where, you know, I got married and uh, they threw me, Starco threw me a surprise wedding reception in Memphis. So we got married in a destination in my grandma's backyard, so it wasn't a destination for us, but in Puerto Rico. And we came back a couple weeks later, um, my husband and then Isaac, we went downtown, we went to dinner, and then went to Starco for some reason that I was just confused about. And there was a huge party reception just for us and you know to feel that love for being in Memphis for such a short amount of time um, to feel included in a group and to see for me I'm always amazed when people take time out of their day to hang out with me it like still blows me away so that like people were there and having fun and you know that's really that really is something special I think another fun one was um, the American Cancer Society Young Professionals Group put on a putt-putt golf and on a Saturday and it was so fun just having I don't remember how many holes I think there were 18 holes around downtown taking over bars um, and the bars built their holes or you know the YP group built some of the holes and it was so fun to see you know we're so serious all the time and young professionals in Memphis are so organized and there's lots of ways to professionally develop but just to let go and have fun that was that was really great so we'll wrap up with one question, and then we'll do kind of a lightning round of just quick answers. Uh, it's just one of my favorite parts. <laughs> so give us a bit of advice for other entrepreneurs. So for those that say, I want to follow my dream, I'm, I need a little help, what advice do you give them? Obviously, I mean, you've, you've got plenty to offer, so give us one or two that stand out. Do you want to go? Go yeah. for it. You're, you're, <laughs> you got oh my gosh, we're going to be here all day. I, I just think when I talk to my mentees or when I talk to any aspiring entrepreneurs, there is there's one common denominator if they haven't started, and it's fear. There's a lot of fear, whether it's I'm afraid that someone's not going to like it. I'm afraid someone's going to steal it. I'm afraid that if I move here and that I try this, it's not going to work. And, you know, that to me is really fascinating because you have the same chances of success and you could you could choose to have the fear stop you or you can have the the success propel you and so one of the things I tell entrepreneurs is just start it there's a lot of things that you can do without spending a dollar to figure out if your idea is worth something and entrepreneurs built this world and built this country I mean it's just your ideas are worth something now they're an idea let at this point and if you're motivated by just making money, chances are you will fail. If you want to keep by yourself and not take on par partners, chances are that you will fail. But if you're part of something that's bigger than yourself, it makes it a lot easier to fight for. You know, at Sweet Bio, we say we revolutionize healing because the world deserves to smile. Revolutionizing meaning we're part of a movement, a revolution, that healing should be better than it is, and we want to be part of that journey and so for entrepreneurs just starting taking a step and getting over that fear is going to help you get over a couple other fears in your life when you realize like hey there's solid ground on the other side you're going to learn something 
Um, but just start, start now. The best thing you can do is not wait for the perfect time. Isaac? Yeah, and I guess I'll take one from Kayla when we, we presented at, in Kansas at a university. Um, she had a slide that said, you don't have to be an innovator to be, in, you don't have to be an inventor to be innovative. So basically, saying you don't have to. It doesn't have to be your creation that you then take out, and that's what makes you an entrepreneur. You can just have these other skills and join somebody else who has an idea, and you're just as much as an entrepreneur and co-founder and part of that company as anyone else. So if you don't have, and you're just waiting forever for that idea, like chances are either never come around, or it comes around and you just don't realize it, and you don't, and you're fearful to take that step. But talk to somebody else join in on their idea and that's that's a way to be an entrepreneur and and get some experience and work with a team like entrepreneur is not just you know it's not just a single person it's an entire team the your co-founders your advisors your, your supporters the community um it's just once you get into it which is what i thought i never really would have you know me going the traditional phd academic route never would have thought i was going to be like an entrepreneur as much as i am today but that's what i've noticed is just that it really is a team effort and if you don't have that one idea that's okay it doesn't mean you can't be an entrepreneur just find somebody else that has something that you really are passionate about too well i'll tell you that's that's actually great advice in the sense that you have so many i mean kaylee even alluded to all the entrepreneurial incubators here so you have start co zero to five ten the bio I mean, memphis bioworks you have all these amazing organizations here and you can go on and on and on. And, and just because you're not an inventor, to your point, maybe you're good at uh, being in accounting, a CFO, operations, logistics, software, code development, marketing, communications. Well, all of those entrepreneurs that do have an idea or an inventor that do have an idea or, or something, you can come alongside them and help. And just by volunteering and going to StartCo and saying, hey, Eric, hey, Andre, I've got the skill set. I want to help mentor. I want to be involved with somebody. I want to I want to use my skills to help an entrepreneur. Next thing to your point, you're you're a part of that team. And I'll never forget Kevin Harrington, one of the original Sharks on Shark Tank. He's like, I don't bet on the horse, I bet on the team. So in other words, you know, you've got to have your team that has legal operations, accounting, marketing, all of these different sides to be able to succeed. So to me, I mean to your point, um, that that's a great piece of advice is you can be an entrepreneur, especially with any skill set, just get involved and help be a part of the innovation and the revolution that's taking place. So, nice. See, even I learned so much just by doing this podcast. <laughs> Deep thoughts by Isaac King. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so here's the fun one. So this is lightning round. There's, you know, it, it's short answers. It's me. You know, none of this is scripted. So it's not like we, I mean, we literally have nothing other than a stopwatch going on here and my glasses. But um, so... First one is, what's a, a recent book you've read? I have two. Well, go I ahead. was with her when we kind of read the other one, so that her shirts counts as mine then. Okay, go ahead. Let's okay. clarify reading audiobooks. Um, <laughs> definitely, I'm a huge audiobook fan, but um, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the Nike story, is just phenomenal. Very entertaining and just life lessons of, I thought we had it rough with some of the things that we've accomplished or th some of the hurdles that we've been trying to accomplish and just hearing his story, I'm like, oh, it could be worse. Um, and Mindset is one of my favorite books of all time. I can't remember the author, but she talks about having a growth mindset and how to position yourself. And, and I recommend reading it at different phases of your life because there's mindset on parenting and mindset on business and mindset on sports, and it's super good. All right, so what's a recent movie you've watched? Recent movie? Ooh. Do we watch movies? Do we watch movies? <laughs> I got to watch The Founder the other day, which was uh, the story of the McDonald's brothers uh -huh. and how the, uh, Roy Kroc took McDonald's yep. and made it the franchise it is. So I told my cousin in New Jersey, he's 17, 16 now, and I was just like, you should watch that movie. And it's just, it's just like story of entrepreneurship, but you don't realize like what it is today and what it took to get it there today and what kind of shady things happen in the background too. So I think that was a... a an informative movie but also fun to watch yeah and i'm a huge avengers fan so i watch iron man like on the regular because nice. i want a tony stark life and i want jarvis in my house <laughs> so i'd probably see that like every quarter maybe jarvis yeah you see that's where we just like the jarvis. books and the movies you learn a lot by where they are because i mean you know, the fact that you're reading kind of like entrepreneurial business books and then you know kind of like same thing with the movie like i'm over here watching boss baby and power rangers because <laughs> of the kids so it's like very different phases I'm of life. Be there soon. <laughs> <laughs> soon. Yeah, exactly all right so what do you like to do to relax 
man. Do you relax at all? What do you like to do to relax? It's necessary. I mean, you have to. Uh, who, who, I can't remember the the Boston Marathon runner who won it later on in life. He talked about that you need to recover as fiercely as you work. Not that you need to, you know, recover as long as you work, but you do have to take time to recover. And I am not a, a good, nice person if I haven't been working out. Like, I, no, and nobody want to talk to me if I haven't worked out in a couple of days. And so that's something that my husband and I love to do together. We turn one of the rooms in our house into a gym and literally we'll go up there. We try to go every single day and we'll put on whatever basketball game or and not talk about work whatsoever for the 30 minutes to so an hour. So treadmill, that elliptical, bike, what? Oh, we have a Bowflex little climber and then oh. we have weights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to get as strong as him, but I'm failing. I'm still working on my one pull-up. But we're gonna get there. My <laughs> one pull up. We're gonna nice. get there. Your one there. arm pull up, right? Is that <laughs> yes. what you mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally, totally. My one arm pull up. <laughs> Isaac, what about you? What do you like to do? Now that it's getting warm, I live downtown, just kind of like right on the river, so I just love being down there. Just went for a bike ride from the, from the Hernando Bridge down to the Harahan Bridge, so it was, that was really fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love playing sports, but I don't get into it as much as I want, so. I saw a Choose 901 blog that came out and said, like, ultimate frisbee pickup and soccer pickup, and I know there's volleyball courts. And I loved playing with a volleyball court in our house growing up, so I loved playing volleyball. So I think I'm going to start getting into that. But really, I'll just maybe put some, like, TV shows on the background and just record a bunch of random TV shows, like, you know, Designated Survivor or Ransom, or just throw them on in the background and then just, like, do some work, uh, but not sweet bio work. So, like, my kind of relaxing work is working with some high school students and planning a program in Virginia that's just not like so intensive but it's something that's like relaxes me and I'm you know, I guess still doing work but relaxing at the same time and catching up with some shows. So would you, like you, you, both of you kind of walk a, an interesting line, would you consider yourself more introverted or extroverted? Ooh. I don't know, I mean the, the from what I read a long time ago, like the true definition, like where do you get energy yeah. from? Like right now, my husband's in New York and I'm at home with the two dogs and I do not get energy being by myself. Like I talk to myself when I'm home by myself. Like so that would be more extroverted yeah, where so you I've, get energized by being around people. Yes, yeah, so I I feel like I do, I do get more energy, but I do enjoy sports like golf. Like I love challenging myself personally to be better. So... I feel like the lines are super blurred. For me, I'll take one from Courtney Jones from Mom's Horse. I mean, like, it's not a switch for me. I'm not, like, introverted, extroverted. It's a, it's a dial. It's a dial. So, like, I, I feel like most of the time I'm, I can do really well just alone in the office or in my apartment and just whatever it is I want to crank out or accomplish, I accomplish it. But then there's times where I'm just like, all right, I need to ramp up my social life or just be around people and do things with people, whatever it is. So then that dial goes to extrovert uh, and then it goes back to introverts. I think it's just whatever I need to fill myself at the time and you do burn out if you do too much of one. Yeah. I was gonna say we do hit our limits yeah. when we have months where you know before this kid's born he's gonna be in 10 to 11 states I mean we travel significantly and March was really a, a, a travel heavy month for us and so there are times where it's like April looks really calm and it's like oh, okay that feels nice that feels really nice. <laughs> so outside of Puerto Rico where give us one favorite place that you like to go on vacation or that you visited i just got back from germany which is awesome I went to cologne germany so the really gothic cathedral and the rhine and we were there for work for a international dental conference but we had a uh, mutual friends that were there that we stayed with in the apartment and just the people in cologne are really awesome and i got a homemade meal in dusseldorf germany so that was fun and then last year i got to go to india as well so those are my first two trips outside of the states besides like Canada and <laughs> exotic trips outside of the states. So those are the two that I can compare to and I would I would go back in a heartbeat. Nice. Kayla, yeah. what about you? Um, my one of my best friends is in she's from Austria and got married last year. So we flew out to Austria to go to the wedding and then while we were there went to Athens and Santorini. And Santorini was just life changing. We did not want to leave i mean we stayed in ia which is like the white houses right in the in the cove where you see the volcano i mean it was just like an unbelievable experience and we hiked all day every day that was amazing and now we're planning our next international travel post baby we want to go to italy 
in 2020 for 20 days. That's like the goal. That's a lot of 20s. Yeah, that's the goal. You'll need a lot of 20s. I know, we're going to need <laughs> That's also part of the equation. <laughs> yep, yep. We're going to start planning now for that. Mm-hmm. All right, so last couple of questions. One is um, favorite place to eat. I mean, it can be local. It can be not local. What's a, what's a favorite uh, restaurant or what's, what's a favorite meal look like to you? So I'll give you the... Either, either or, easy escape for one of those. Mm, Central barbecue ribs. Yeah, can't go wrong. Central barbecue ribs. That's, that's a, when people come into town and just like, where do you want to go eat? And it's Central barbecue. I didn't know barbecue. Yeah. Could or Gus's. Those are those are close oh, yeah. top two. It's just yeah. whatever you're in the mood for. Yeah. But then I, I just came back from doing a layover in Chicago and I brought Kayla some Garrett's popcorn, so that she that might be on the top of her mm. her cravings list here too. Baby likes Garrett's popcorn. <laughs> Yep. Baby like. That's like an easy thing. Baby like. Baby like. Baby like. I need some of this. Baby, baby like. Baby needs a blizzard from Dairy Queen. <laughs> not me. Not me. Baby needs it. I was at, uh, this is a total random aside, but at Napa Cafe, we were doing a lunch meeting, and all of a sudden, like, one of the people comes over, and they're like, um, I think there's a, a lady on the phone that wants you to order, and he's talking to the, with the guy I'm meeting with, uh, Davis Gordon, and she wants you to bring home a meatloaf sandwich. Because she's pregnant and she she knew he was going there and so it's like she's calling in the order for him to take home. I was like, that's hilarious. So uh, baby wants meatloaf sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, what, what's when somebody comes to Memphis? Um, what do you like to take them to? So give us give us some places you like to give give me the tourist version for Isaac and Kayla. Sure. We even had um, our suppliers for the, our materials for Sweet Bio from Japan, and they came to Memphis just to visit us, which is fantastic. So we took them to Bass Pro Shop. They were just like guns <laughs> everywhere. They had no idea. They were just like, oh my God, this, this is true in America. So they took a picture with one too. I'm sure it's like all over their Facebook profile. It's amazing. So we took them to Bass Pro. Um, we, we showed them Peabody Duck March. Um, usually my friends like Civil Rights Museum is a must go to. Uh, Shelby Farms out east. Have to go to Shelby Farms. Those are the top four I can think of really quickly. Shelby Farms is my favorite. And the dog park is so fun. Nice. Such a cool asset. Very cool. All right, so the last one is what do you hope, I mean, you kind of mentioned that you're creating a revolution. Um, You kind of tied it into Sweet Bio, but what do you hope ultimately your legacy is here, not only with your company, but just you giving back and making a difference? What do do you hope your legacy is here in the Mid-South? Or we'll even say beyond. What do you hope your legacy is just in general with your life? Yeah, wow, that's a deep question. Yeah, I know, you guys are young too, so it's like you, you have a long time to work on this legacy. But what do you what, I mean? You know, I think yeah. going back to your kind of, you know, planning, Kayla, when you were talking about working at Target and kind of being strategic about what you do, I think that's a big part of this is, you know, ultimately what sort of difference do you want to make in your life so that you're not just blindly going through and living each day, but you have some sort of purpose and intentionality to it. So. What do you I mean? It doesn't have to be defined, but what do you hope that your your kind of legacy is here? Yeah, I, I hope that you know we know as a team we're going to work really hard to be as successful as we possibly can. But in a program that I do in Virginia, it's we always say just send the elevator back down, meaning you know you got up to wherever you are, and then you need to help the next generation get up to where they are. So it is leading by example, but it's also being proactive, pushing that elevator back down, bringing in people to your elevator, and then lifting them up to where you were today. So I, I hope that's my legacy is just, you know, I was able to do it not on my own, of course, but with, with people, with family, with the support, and then that I can give back and just make the world a better place by continuing that positive influence and, and motivation. Yeah, and my personal mission statement, because this is like how like not, not normal, yeah, intentional yeah, I am about my life, um, it's to aspire to inspire others by challenging the norm. And that just means seeking opportunities to create inspiring moments. And for me, I love having that as my mission because I can fulfill it in so many ways. And you know, when I see things like when I was at the CBU Women's Leadership Conference, a girl came up to me with tears in her eyes saying like, thank you for sharing your story. And I was just telling about my grandmother and saying, you know, there aren't very many Hispanic, female, pregnant, entrepreneurs in healthcare. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one, literally the only one. But it's just 
create your own normal. I mean, the the boundaries and the, you know, what people say you can't do. I mean, you are the only one that can define what your limits are. And your limits are way further out than you actually think that they are. And so um, for me, I hope that my legacy is providing inspiration, especially to women, to just take the step, to just do it, to just say yes to open doors that are terrifying, to see fear differently and hopefully realize more than they ever thought they could nice both of those I mean great whether they're intentional I mean yours obviously is a little more it sounds like you kind of thought about that a little more but I have I mean, a problem yeah but I say but I, mean, I, 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 I love aware. that but I mean you, you don't get anywhere without being intentional I mean I think there is a part of this that you do say yes and opportunities start to befall you but ultimately you have to have some intentionality but and I but I like the illustration of the elevator because you know for our family like we eat out every single day and night like we don't ever have time to really cook a meal so just the i the idea the illustration of you know you may work at the top level or live up here but ultimately like you got to go back down to the bottom <laughs> to get to the ground floor to go eat and to like do the right. things you have to do so it's like always send the elevator back down and you yourself go down too because <laughs> that's where life is lived right so um both both ways great great advice um last part of this tell people where they can learn more about sweet bio how can they get in touch with you how can they kind of follow your storylines obviously that you're creating every single day yes please come talk to us you can email us directly at kayla or isaac at sweetbio.com and it's literally sweet bio um, check out our website um, but please email us if you're interested in learning more you're compelled to tell us about your dentist or oral surgeon we will absolutely love to have that contact um, or if there's any way that we can help you, that's really one of our passions. Twitter is at SweetBioCo. Yep, at SweetBioCo. At SweetBioCo. Well, Isaac, Kayla, thank you for all you do, for being change makers, not only here in the Mid-South, but around the world with what you're doing. So greatly appreciate everything you're doing and appreciate you coming on the show and sharing it as well. So thank you. We thank you, Jeremy. You. Yeah, thanks thank for leading you. by example. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Change Makers podcast, produced by City Current and powered by Lipscomb and Pitts Insurance. To learn more about our guests and to share your stories of others leading by example, visit us online at citycurrent.com. Connect with us online using at citycurrent or follow the conversation using the hashtag changemakers. Now, think big, start small, and act now. Be a changemaker. 